Hey, how's it going, Last Cast's family? Um, I'm glad y'all could join us this Wednesday night. Uh, had you doing anything else, but you chose to um, come as we gather around his word and study it together and grow more uh, in our relationship with Christ. And so... Um, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, uh, we I started a sermon series two weeks ago called Kingdom Minded, where what we are doing is we're looking at and we are studying the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's the beginning stages of Jesus's ministry. And so kind of the point behind this sermon series is uh, in chapter four of Matthew, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven has come near. And what that word repentance means, it means a change of thinking that leads to a change in action. And so what we as followers of Christ is that if we have changed our thinking, if we have repented of our sins, meaning we no longer desire to live live for ourselves or live for this kingdom. And so we desire to live for Christ and live for the kingdom of heaven. And that will lead in a change of action. So what does that necessarily look like in that change of action? What does it look like to live for the kingdom of heaven? What does it look like to be kingdom minded? And so that's what we are looking at tonight and going through this sermon series. We go through the Sermon on the Mount of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. What does it look like to represent his kingdom while still here on earth? And so the first week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. That before we can ever start to live for Christ, we must become a follower of Christ and see our need for Christ and see our spiritual bankruptcy and poverty. We looked at last week, our blessed are those who mourn, that once we understand just how uh, broken we are because of sin and how much we need Christ, and once we become a follower of Christ, that leads us to mourn over sin, mourn over the sin that we used to live in, mourn over the sin that we see around us and its effects on earth today, and mourn over those who are still lost in sin. And so tonight, what we are looking at is we're looking at blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek and how we're looking at what that means and how as we live in this fallen, sinful world, as we live with fallen, sinful human beings, as we live in a way that is countercultural to what the world says is right and what Christ says is right, we will face difficulties and hardships and oppression and persecution. And what we're going to look at tonight is blessed are those who are meek for they're the ones that shall inherit the earth and what that looks like and the promises we see in that. And so if you have your copy of God's Word as we get ready, if you want to open it up to Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, specifically looking at verse 5, uh, is what we're going to be studying. But uh, before we get started on that, as you're getting there, I want you to think about this. Have, Have you ever been backstabbed? Or have you ever received some form of injustice? Or have you ever been wronged in some way, shape, or form? Maybe it was by a loved one, by a friend, by a family member, by a coworker, a boss, or maybe some just random person, social media, whatever. When's the last time you can think about maybe that you feel like you have been wronged or received injustice or even been backstabbed? How did you respond to that situation? Were you just quick to blow it off and and not worry about it? or, Or were you quick to get angry about something like that? Did you try to take matters into your own hands? Were you quick to wanting to seek vengeance? Or were you wanting to quick uh, to seek reconciliation? 
See, the thing is, as we as fallen sinful human beings, when we feel wronged, when we feel like we've received some sort of injustice, we are prone to become prideful. And we want to take matters into our own hands and that we want to just seek revenge by our own means. In fact, we see that kind of in this mantra, as the world says, where it says, an eye for an eye. Or we see in other ways, you fight fire with fire. But what I want us to look at tonight is that the gospel has a different way of viewing this. That us as followers of Christ are to live in a different manner. See, our main point that I want us to grasp tonight is this, is that the gospel commands us and empowers us to humble ourselves, to trust in God, and to allow him to give justice. That we trust in God and that we humble ourselves before that and we trust in him and he's the one that will seek out justice. So like I said, if you have your copy of God's word, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Looking at the Sermon on the Mount as we go through this. And here's what it says. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, as we just come before you, we just pray that you humble us, that we humble ourselves before you, and that you will free us up from any distractions. That some of us might be watching on, let's say, a TV or a laptop or a smartphone wherever that may be, I pray that you will just free us up from any other distractions and that we will just hone into what you have to tell us tonight through your word. That Holy Spirit, you will just open up our hearts to receive what you have to tell us, open up our minds to comprehend it. And I pray that as only you can, that you will just plant seeds and bear fruit that ultimately glorifies and honors Christ as we seek to live for him in the kingdom of heaven. So right now, over these next few minutes, if you could just humble me during this time, let me hide behind your word and let it speak for itself that during this time, through the preaching of your word, as we look at it and study it together, that you will convict us of sins we need to repent from, that you will encourage us with just the truths from your word, and that ultimately it will help us become even more of the follower of Christ that you have called us to be. So I pray over these next few minutes that it will be a blessing and that it will honor you and it will glorify Christ and Christ alone. I pray all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Uh, so if you've been following with us the last couple weeks, as we go through this verse by verse with the B attitudes, what we see with each verse is that there's two things out of each verse we are to get. There is an attitude that we are to have as a follower of Christ, and then there is a blessing that comes from that attitude. So as we said, this is the Beatitudes. Jesus went up to the top of the mountain and he's preaching and teaching to his disciples saying, this is what a true follower is. That if you have this type of mindset, if you have this type of attitude, then this is the blessing that will come from that. So it says, blessed are the meek. And so our main point, if you're following along on your notes, the attitude that we are to have is this, is we are to trust in God. The attitude that we are to have is we are to trust in God. God. For like it says, it says, blessed are the meek. Okay, well, if it says that, okay, the meek are the ones that are blessed and they're the ones that shall inherit the earth, then we got to understand what does the word meek mean? 
We have to understand that first. And so if you're following along in the notes, here's the definition I would give of meek. Meek is this. It is strength under control that trusts in and relies upon God. How I would define meek is strength under control that trusts in and relies upon God. And so what this means is someone who is meek is someone that does not throw their weight around. Someone who is meek is someone who trusts in God despite the circumstances that are around them. So instead of the situation they might be in where they feel like they should be in a better position or the things they're going through, the people they're around, whatever the case is, is that they trust in God despite the circumstances that might be around them. Someone who is meek is someone who doesn't seek to retaliate when they are wronged, but instead turns to God in reliance upon him. And he knows best, that he knows best. And one day, as we will see later in this, that he will right every wrong. Like I said, meek is strength under control, who trusts in and relies upon God. So let me ask you this. Do you throw your weight around to those around you? Do you use your position at work, your spot on the team, maybe your grades, your social status, your financial status? Do you use that to prop yourself up or maybe even knock other people down? Or do you use those to prop others up and point others to Christ? When you are wronged, how, what is your first response? Are, are you quick to retaliate? Are you quick to get angry? Are you quick to hold a grudge for a very long time? Because as followers of Christ, we are called to be slow to anger. We're called to be slow to speak. Or even in this technology age, we are slow to tweet. We're slow to comment. We're slow to share. We're slow to do any of those things. Instead, we're to be quick to listen. We're to quick to pray. We are to feel compassion rather than contempt, as we saw last week. We are called to love, not to loathe what's going on around us. We are to trust Christ and that he will work all things ultimately for our good and his glory, rather than trust in our own plans or what maybe the means we think is best, that we think is best for us. That we are called to be meek followers of Christ. That this meekness is to be something that characterizes us because meekness is something that characterized Jesus' person and ministry. I mean, think about this. Jesus was and is God. Jesus was at the beginning and always has been. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus chose to take on humanity without sacrificing a single ounce of his divinity. Jesus, the creator of everything, decided to submit himself to his own creation in order to free us and save us as we just worshiped this past Sunday for Easter. And think about this, this same creation that he came to save, that he submitted himself to, the creator of everything. He was rejected. He was ran out of synagogues and towns. He was betrayed. He was denied. He was mocked flogged, beaten, had nails driven into his hands and his feet. He had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was stabbed in the side with a spear. 
yet he never retaliated once. Think about this. Jesus could have called down an army of angels at any point during his time here on earth or especially on the cross or even in the garden when he's being betrayed. He could have done that at any point. Yet he didn't. Think about this. On the cross, he could have called down a legion of angels. But instead, what do we see him say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did the will of the Father. Or even this, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. Yet one of the greatest examples of this meekness and serving is in John 13, where Jesus, knowing all these things, decided to fill a basin with water, wrap a towel around his waist, and wash his disciples' dirty, disgusting feet, including Judas, who was going to betray him, and including Peter, who was going to deny him three times. The epitome of meekness we see is in the perfect example of Jesus Christ. And that we, if we are to be true followers, true disciples of Christ, then we are to follow this, his example of meekness. Again, this is Jesus. This is God. Again, he took on humanity without sacrificing any ounce of his divinity. Uh, an example, kind of an illustration I would give of this is for those parents that might be watching is, is maybe you have a young child or you used to have young children and, and you would wrestle all the time. And think about this. You are so much stronger than your child. I mean, you could easily overpower them at any point, win the match, do whatever you want to do, but instead, you lighten up on it some during that. You lighten up with that. Jesus, in, in, in a somewhat similar way, is the exact same way that Jesus, the creator of everything, came down, submitted himself as to his creation, took on flesh, took on humanity, yet never sacrificed an ounce of his divinity. And yet never, never use that. Instead, he came to do the will of the Father. That this meekness not only characterized Jesus' person and ministry, but should be a characteristic of us as a follower of him. An illusion, actually, that this verse, blessed are the meek, this verse 5 in chapter 5 of Matthew, it's an allusion to Psalm 37. It's an allusion to Psalm 37, verses 7 through 11 where it says this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That that there is wickedness and there is wicked people who will try to, to suppress and persecute followers of Christ. Those that are meek, as this verse talks about. It happened here in the psalm. It happened during that time in Matthew when Matthew was writing about it. It happens to us today as followers of him today. Like we saw that they flogged him, they beat him, they persecuted Jesus then. And if they did that to him then, then they will equally do it to us now. But here's the thing. We are to not get angry and we are not to return anger for anger as verse 8 says in this. It says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. 
That when we, when we come to anger and we do these things and we just fight anger with anger, then we are doing the exact same thing as the world is doing. We are to live different from that. Instead, as it says in verse 7 and verse 9, is we are to wait on the Lord. We are to be patient. We are to wait on the Lord. That, that we are to not look to this world, but we are to be patient and look for the world to come. That we are to rest in the promises of God, specifically in regards to this verse we're looking at tonight, is that we are to rest in the promise that the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in abundant peace. That we that we're to inherit this earth, the new earth that's going to be coming, and that we will delight ourselves in abundant peace. Not just then, but even right now. For what I want us to see is that there is this progression going through Matthew. That as we go through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, that there is this progression. That one Beatitude feeds into the next, which feeds into the next, which feeds into the next. That they all play off each other. And so, like we said, if you have in your notes, you'll see that it shows this progression from Matthew 5.3 to Matthew 5.4 to Matthew 5.5. And so the first one, like I said, is this. In Matthew 5.3, it says this. We are to recognize our sinfulness. Is we're to recognize our sinfulness. We're to see our own spiritual poverty, our own spiritual bankruptcy, our own need for Christ. And that we are to repent of our sins and believe on him, pursue him. And then that leads us into Matthew 5, 4, is we are to mourn over sin. We are to mourn over sin. That once we see our own spiritual need for Christ and repent and turn to Christ, we will also mourn over the sin that we used to live in. We are mourn over the sin that we are currently living in, that we're trying to repent of and become more like Christ. We mourn over the sin that we see in the world around us. Mourn over people that are still lost in sin. And that leads to the progression of this in verse 5-5, five, five, where we respond to Christ. We respond to Christ. Now, we've already initially responded to Christ. We have repented of our sins and believed on him. But now that we see our spiritual bankruptcy, and now that we see the brokenness that sin causes around us, now we are turning to Christ and saying, okay, what do we do? How do we live as a, as a fallen sinful human being in a fallen sinful world as we try to live for the kingdom of heaven? And it said, blessed are the meek. That we know that in this life we're going to face difficulties, we're going to face hardships, we're going to face persecution. But we are to trust in God. We are to not seek revenge for our own selves. We're not to seek those things, but instead we are to trust in God. We are to trust in God knowing that he will be the avenger of all these things. We are to trust in God. And when we have that sort of attitude, that leads to the blessing, like I said. We have this attitude of trusting in God. It leads to our second main point, the blessing, which is this. The promise of heaven. The promise of heaven. Like it says, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we looked at what the word meek means. Okay, the, those are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. So what does it mean to inherit the earth? So here's what inherit means. It means to obtain after one's own death, conceived of as gaining possession of something by legal right from someone as an heir after their death. So what we are inheriting, what we will inherit possession of is the new earth that is to come. That it says we are heirs of Christ in Romans 8, 17. That, that Christ is our legal right in order to inherit the promises of heaven. 
It has nothing to do with anything within ourselves. It has nothing to do with anything that we could do on our own means, but has everything to do with Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and our belief and receiving him and that finished work on the cross. It is the blood of Christ that has purchased our salvation and it is our belief in him and it is the Holy Spirit indwelling within us that is our down payment for our inheritance that seals us for that day of redemption that comes with salvation. Is this possession we are gaining, as I said, we are inheriting the new earth, these glorified bodies where Christ reigns eternally over the new earth. And so in a couple ways of how we are inheriting the earth is generally speaking, how we are inheriting the earth is that the meek are supplanting the wicked, that the meek are supplanting the wicked. But inheriting the earth futuristically, what that means, it means the new earth where Jesus is reigning eternally. Because here's the thing, the wicked's reign is temporary, but Jesus's reign is eternal that we hold on to the promise that Jesus will return to right every wrong and restore everything, just how it's supposed to be perfectly. And if you see in your notes, it'll say this. It says, Jesus will avenge the meek. Jesus will avenge the meek. Jesus will avenge those that are pursuing after him, that are persecuted and oppressed during this time by the wicked. Again, this all alludes back to Psalm 37, as I said. And in verse 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. We are to not fret ourselves over the wicked and those that prosper in, in earthly means or earthly sense as we look at it. Instead, we are to wait upon the Lord. We are to not seek relief for ourselves by our own means or seek relief from oppression and to achieve our own wants by our own means. But instead, we seek and wait upon the Lord knowing that he knows best. And like it says, it culminates in verse 11 of Psalm 37 where it says, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That we, that we inherit the new earth, but at the same time, we delight ourselves in abundant peace. And there's two ways that we delight ourselves in abundant peace, and that is now and later. So right now, how we can delight ourselves in abundant peace is knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome the wicked and anything they could try to throw at us, oppress us with, uh, turn us down, anything that Jesus has overcome at all. How it says in John 16, that he says, I have come to give you peace. And that yes, you will face difficulties, hardships, trials, tribulations in this world, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That Jesus has overcome everything. Jesus has overcome everything the world could throw at us. Jesus has overcome the wicked. And then as we see this, also in Colossians 2, 12 through 15, where it talks about how Jesus paid our penalty, our record of debt, paid it in full by nailing it to the cross and moving it to the side. And then the back half of that, it says how he put all of the authorities to open shame. How he put the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, how he put Satan and all of hell to open shame, knowing that now there is nothing 
There is nothing that can stand in the way. That, that because of Christ, we have this inheritance of peace. That he has overcome everything. And we also have the promise of heaven. So that is how we have the promise of now. This abundant peace now. Knowing that Jesus has overcome everything. Paid our penalty. Paid our record of debts. And has overcome hell and Satan and everything they could throw at us with. But we also experience and delight in abundant peace later. Like I said, we delight in the abundant peace and the promise of heaven. That when Jesus returns, he rights every wrong. He restores all of creation back to himself. He reigns forever. And we will delight in the abundant peace because we will be able to reign with Christ and live with Christ forever. We'll be able to reign and live with Christ forever, knowing that he's restored everything to himself, that he will wipe every tear away. He will right every wrong. He'll reconcile everything back to himself in perfect harmony as it was in the very beginning. But then that begs the question of, of what about the here and now? Like, yes, I hear about how Jesus has overcome everything. I hear about how he's overcome all of the temptations of the world and anything the world could throw at us and, and Satan. But, but there's still difficulties that we face. There's still difficulties and hardships that we might face now. It could be financially during this time. It could be physically during this time. It could be physically for another loved one or person that we, that we care about that might be affected by these things. It could be emotionally, it could be relationally, that we still deal with hardships and difficulties now that we can be so tempted that we desire just to go to heaven now. Why can't we just go there now where there's, there's, there's abundant peace where he wipes every tear away and there's no more wrongs, there's no more sin, and there's no more wickedness or difficulties. Because we face hardships and difficulties now. One of the encouragements I'll have for you is that this, your suffering is not in vain. Your suffering is not in vain. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that this light momentary affliction that we face in this life pales in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that God is preparing for us that is beyond comprehension in comparison. That what we face right now during this time, during this short life we live, pales in comparison to the weight of eternity and the glory that is to be revealed there. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from a book I read is called Look and Live by Matt Papa. And one of the chapters, it talks about how just the glory of God and how that shatters every chain. And that is what we are to look at. And one of the things he talks about in one of his chapters is how the cross of Christ is what we will look at and worship and celebrate for all of eternity. And how that is our beacon of hope. That is our anchor. That is what we look to for hope and difficulties in times. And he says this quote right here that can encourage us during the here and now. See how heaven ordered such deep pain for the salvation of the world and for your soul. And know that if his, if Christ's deepest pain will never be wasted, neither will yours. That as Jesus suffered, he came to this earth and he suffered the greatest, worst, the worst, cruelest form of death imaginable. And that if, that if heaven did not waste a single ounce of that pain in order to purchase our salvation for the world and for our souls, then he will not waste the pain and suffering we go through right now during this life. As much as we should long for the kingdom of heaven, we should, we should long for the kingdom of heaven and the Lord Jesus to come and right every wrong. We must also be representing the kingdom of heaven while here on earth as we live here on earth. We're to represent the kingdom of heaven while we're living on the kingdom of earth. 
If you look in your notes, it'll say this. Instead of longing for the removal from earth, instead we should be longing for the restoration of earth. Instead of longing for the removal from earth, we should be longing for the restoration of earth. That we should desire to see people to come to know Christ. That we should desire to see those same wicked people who are lost in sin, who might be oppressing us, have their eyes opened to their sin. Have their hearts broken over it. And to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That we should desire that they follow the same progression that we are seeing by our own spiritual bankruptcy. That they see their spiritual poverty and need for Christ. That they mourn over that sin. And that they respond to Christ as well. That should be our hearts. So what that means is that if we are to desire and represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And if we desire and long for the restoration of earth. Then that means we are to preach the gospel. We're to proclaim the gospel at every chance that we have. That as we wait for the final restoration of earth, we are called by God to go make disciples of all nations. So it says in your notes, that means that we are to be salt and light while on the earth. We're called to be salt and light while on the earth. To go even a step further, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, it says not only are we a new creation in Christ, but we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. It says, now that we have been reconciled back to God by the message and ministry of reconciliation, which is the gospel, it also says now that we are to receive, we're to receive this gospel, this ministry of the gospel, and we're not to proclaim the gospel. We're to proclaim Christ everywhere we go. Okay, then now that you've been saved by the gospel, here's the message that we are to carry out and go proclaim everywhere we go. In our workplaces, in our schools, at our jobs, at our sports teams, anything else. We are to proclaim the gospel of Christ in all these ways. That we are to be as Christ was at the beginning of his ministry. Or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And so we are to repent and believe on him and start living for his kingdom. That we are to preach the gospel so that others may be able to seek that same inheritance of the kingdom rather than the kingdom of earth. So if we have been given this responsibility, that, that if we are to preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, then that begs the question for all of us, where has God placed us to proclaim the gospel? Who are those around us that we know need to hear the gospel, that are lost in sin, or maybe those that are wicked that need the gospel. How often do we pray for these people? How often are we leveraging? How are we leveraging these unprecedented times that we are living in so that, that we can point them to a hope that is beyond their current circumstances? How can we point them to a hope that is beyond this world? A hope that nothing in this world could satisfy, a peace that is beyond understanding, an abundant peace that we can live with in the here and now and the promise of the future. Restoration only comes by the power of the gospel. And so here's the thing. People can only be restored to Christ if they hear the gospel of Christ. How it says in Romans 10, 14 through 17, it says, How can anyone become a follower of Christ if they don't hear about Christ? And how can anyone hear if no one goes to proclaim the gospel? And how can they not proclaim the gospel if there's not a preacher to go to them? And it says, How beautiful are the feet of those that go preach the gospel. For faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Who is God calling you 
to go proclaim the gospel to and those around you? Where has God placed you to be able to point people to Jesus? How are we being the hands and feet of Christ during this time? Who are we running to in order to proclaim the gospel to them? Who are we serving during this time in order to point them to their greater need of Christ? Because like it says, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we should be going to proclaiming the gospel to all nations in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, so that they also might inherit the promised new earth that is to come. So maybe there are some of you that are watching this tonight that you have, you have never believed in Christ, that you are just facing difficulties after difficulties, and with the times we're living in, that, that you are trying to seek hope and answers in any which direction by earthly means, but nothing seems to satisfy, nothing seems to help. I'm here to tell you that the only thing that will help is by believing in the gospel. That, that for you to repent of your sins, repent of living for yourself and living for this kingdom, living for this earth, that you repent of that and you turn to Jesus, that you confess your sin to him and you believe that he is truly Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time, and that he ascended back up to heaven and is right now preparing a place for those that call upon his name for salvation. That if you have never believed in Christ, that I implore you tonight that that can change tonight. Today is the day of salvation that you can repent of your sins, believe on Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior and have this promise of this inheritance of earth, the new earth. Maybe there are some of you that are watching this right now and you are a believer in Christ, but you're facing difficulties right now, that you are facing struggles and hardships, that it is just a difficult time, especially during these unprecedented times. What I would tell you is to continue to preach the gospel yourself, that there is hope still in the gospel. Like I said, the gospel not only saves us, but it sanctifies us and secures us and continues to empower us onward as we look to Jesus, this perfect example of peace and meekness. Knowing that you are not in this alone, that Christ sees you and that Christ is there for you. And that the church of Christ that we're placed in is around you. That if we are in Christ, then we are in his family. We care for one another. So know that you are not in this alone. You can still turn back to Christ and have hope and have peace that is beyond understanding. And maybe there are some of you that are, are watching this, are believers, and you're doing very well right now. That, that you are truly doing well during this time and that you are trying to continue to point people to Christ. You're trying to be faithful and proclaiming that you're faithful in order to just be meek and trusting in God during this time despite the crazy, unprecedented circumstances around us. My encouragement for you is to continue to preach the gospel to yourself daily. Never get over its power. Never forget where our hope comes from, where our grace comes from where our peace comes from. Never forget any of that, to continue to proclaim the gospel to yourself daily as you go out and point others and proclaim the gospel to others. That you're able to come alongside those fellow believers that might be struggling in this time and encourage them. That you might be able to come alongside those unbelievers that are looking any which way and we can serve them by being the hands of Christ, but we can also be the feet of Christ by running to them and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that you can have a peace that is beyond understanding, that you can inherit this new earth and have peace even right now. Have this hope. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, we just come before you in need of you. We need you. We, we, need, we need the example of Christ to help us. That as we go through this life, that we face difficulties and hardships and struggles. And it can be so quick for us to get prideful and want to take matters into our own hands. And just want to do what we think is best. That we just want to take matters into our own hands and, and, just, and just maybe seek revenge or just seek what we ultimately want. Would you help humble us during this time? Would you help us seek you? Would you help calm our spirit and know that Christ is in control? Know that no matter what happens in this world, that he sovereignly reigns. That you will remind us, as it says in the psalm, that the wicked's reign is only temporary, but your reign is eternal. Would you help us pursue you? Would you help us seek your face? So God, I pray in this time that you will just be an encouragement to us. I pray for those that might be struggling in this time, that are facing hardships. Will you just have your manifest presence be there to comfort them during this time? I pray during this time as as unbelievers are seeking every which way for hope during this time, that we as the church will represent your kingdom well that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth by making disciples as we are going. Thank you that your presence is always with us, that you're with us even till the end of the age when you return and come back and right every wrong and restore everything to yourself. Will you give us that encouragement, help remind us of that as we go through this. So God, I pray that you will have this, just not just be another message, but something that plants a seed in our heart and that you will have fruit that bears from this, that glorifies Christ. So Holy Spirit, would you help us with this? Christ, continue to be our anchor. Christ, continue to be our guide. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection as we just worshiped this past Sunday and your ascension, knowing that you are sovereignly reigning, that you're preparing a place for us right now and that we have the promise of heaven, but we also can represent that heaven right now to point people to you and see restoration happen even right now. It is only by your power, it is only by your grace, and it is in your name that we pray this. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.